Okay, then uh, President Biden's 2024 budget proposals may hurt small businesses and uh, boomers. Tax rates going up for people making over 400 grand uh, and a few other goodies on tax hikes. Uh, GB Wire covered that uh, yesterday. Take a look at that. Um, how about this Bud Light? Oh, that's story. a big deal, right? And that's, it's like gaining steam. A lot of times these things die out. Yeah. Like after a couple of weeks. And it's, I don't know, but you think it's been a month? It's been, it's got to be pushed, getting close. Uh, so usually these things die out. There's, you know, um, they had uh, a transgender kind of um, a guy who's posing as a girl become a spokesperson for Bud Light. That backfired with uh, Bud Light's big, uh, you know, average drinker, I think. I think uh, the, the company thought they needed to expand the, the people that drink Bud Light, but uh, it really backfired in a sense because the average guy that drinks Bud Light said, no, I'm not going to drink Bud Light if this is going to be the representation you have. And so uh, they lost a lot of money. I don't think they have a game plan on how to get out of it. So it's going to be very interesting. Coors Light volume up 13%. In the third week of April, while Miller Lite volume also rose over 13.5%, <clears throat> and uh, Bud Light down 26%. Yeah, and so what are these? Are these pictures of Dylan? Yeah, Dylan uh, Mulvaney. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sick. Okay. Okay. Um, any questions from audience on, yeah, on our live, this live show? No, no questions. you drinking Bud Light. <laughs> right. You guys still drinking Bud Light or... No moss. <laughs> we don't know. There's any comments on your phone? No. Okay. No questions or comments. So with that, we're going to move on. Um, well, what about this ultra right beer? Have, have, have folks heard about that? So Let's that's put a that. play on Bud Light. Bud Light. Right. Ultra right. Right. So I think it's kind of a marketing little. Can we gimmicky put, type thing? Can we put probably? image 12 up? Where the audience can actually see it. There we go. So that's a new beer that supposedly is coming out. Um, it's expensive. You can order and they've already sold like a million dollars. 20 bucks for a six pack. So I don't know. I still think it's a gimmick. Okay. I mean, real... I mean, probably some of the few people on the right end of this political thing will go, okay, I'm going to start drinking ultra right, but probably more people will just drink Coors or Michelob or Corona. Exactly. Or you know. Exactly. So. Okay. Uh, with that, let's bring on council member uh, Chavez. Is, by the way, is Mike Grabowski on as well or no? Do we He's have trying to get on. I've been texting him a little okay. bit. He's not feeling good, so he may have the evening off. So let's get, uh, there we go, council member Luis Chavez. Good evening and welcome to Unfiltered. Luis, yeah, are you they, drinking Bud Light? I drink every single beer out there. I drink Bud Light, Horse Light, Ultra. I don't drink Trulies, though. That's I'll draw the line there. Oh, there we go. Now we got everybody up. Okay. That's what we want. There we go. That's good. We have everybody up, including council member Drew Bessinger from City of Clovis. Good evening, Drew. Okay. Hi. Before we jump in, is there any prohibition in the city of Fresno against issuing building permits? I mean, is there something against homes 
you guys have anything against building homes? No. Where are you going no. with this? I thought we were going to ask questions no. about the candidates. We're going to in a minute. I just want to, for the record, make sure there's no prohibition in the city of Fresno that says, hey, we just don't want to issue building permits for certain tracks. No, for the record, there is no prohibition. Uh, the council certainly not adopted any policy. Actually, the opposite. We need more housing. We know that we have a housing crisis, so um, it should be the opposite of that. Okay. All right. Um, I don't think they've got any pro such prohibitions in Clovis. Let's <laughs> <laughs> ask Council Member Bessinger. Let's put everybody back up. Now, why are you asking this question? There's a, probably a reason. There's a reason. It's a little funny, but well, there's an underlying yeah, reason? Or because what? sometimes the city of Fresno creates these prohibitions on building permits. And oh. it's got to do with traffic signals. That's an item that uh, GBWire is going to cover here shortly. Traffic signal shortage and how city of Fresno is holding up, not letting people pull permits or letting people move in because the traffic signal is not up, which makes well, sense. I think there's a, like, I, Mike Carbossi was telling me, and he might want to jump in here. He was telling me last week that there's like a big shortage on traffic signals. Yeah, that's the issue. You know, it takes, you, city of Fresno takes about, chain situation well, again. besides that, they take one to two years to get the uh, plans approved. Well, they've, they've gotten quicker since I left. <laughs> it used to be three to four years. So okay. something right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, without delay, let's ask. There's rumors flying around late last week that says uh, Council Member Luis Chavez may not be running for Board of Supervisors. So, we want to hear it from them directly. Uh, are you, uh, Luis, running for the Board of Supervisors election, which is March of 2024. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% running for a supervisor. We have $130,000 in the bank right now, cash on hand. We're obviously, you know, going to be delivering that message to every corner of the district that, as you folks know, runs all the way from Malaga to Fresno State, Long Beach, and then the 99. So it's a pretty big area. Um, we've been doing the work the last couple of months already. We're going to continue to do the work. Um, in politics, obviously, there's always the, the rumor veil of this situation or that situation. But, you know, I've, I've gone through a couple of these um, already. I know what needs to happen. Um, I told this to somebody jokingly, but not jokingly. I said I've run in every single election cycle since 2010, uh, with the exception of 2020. So 2010, 12, 14, 16, 18 uh 22 um so you know we're doing the work and we're going to keep moving forward um and i'm confident that we're going to earn the the support of the constituents of of the district and, and that personal county supervisor um area okay folks you heard it here that council member chavez is in fact running for the board of supervisors i had against I, had, Cauley. I hadn't okay. heard the opposite okay um so i hadn't heard the rumor that you heard okay but i know that uh Luis had announced against uh, Supervisor Quintero, who's serving on there with me right now. And uh, that's kind of been in place for a couple of months. But uh, just recently, like within the last uh, two weeks, 10 mm -hmm. days or so, Councilman Arias, who serves with Luis and Mike, uh, threw his hat in the ring as well. So um, it's going to be look like an easy a three-way, and maybe a fourth person might get in that race, I understand. Is that right? Yeah. Do we have a name? You'd ask that, probably ask Luis. I think there's somebody else that's already officially in. Yeah, I believe that somebody actually 
um, full paperwork, the initial um, paperwork. And, but look, that's the nature of these elections. I always, you know, term these that this is probably the longest job interview that anybody can go on, right? So you get grilled by the constituents, you you do your debates, your forums, you knock on doors, you get questions asked about what the county does. And at the end of the day, you know, these seats don't belong to anybody. Um, you know, you go through the process and you got to earn every single vote. And at the end of the day, you know, voters weigh in and, and, and they elect who they want uh, for them to represent them. Um, we've got a really great track record in, in this community in South Fresno of results uh, from parks and green space to, you know, working with our CBO partners to public works to really the core issues that people care about. And that's the message that we're going to take uh, to, you know, the voters here in, in the next year. Uh, primary is in March of next year. Um, if nobody gets 50 plus one, it goes to November. So there's plenty of time to have that. And I'm sure that, you know, you folks are going to host a couple of forums to invite all the candidates, you know, and we won't know that by the way, until probably about December of late of this year, who actually files and who actually has the resources to get their message out. And I think that's when it'll be pretty, pretty uh, telling, but the work needs to happen beforehand. Um, you need to be out there every single day um, delivering your message, and that's what we intend to do. Luis, could you, for the audience, tell us what are the boundaries of the district in which you're running for, for County Board of Supes? Yeah, it, the, the, the district is really the, the urban core of the city of Fresno. It goes all the way from the community of Malaga uh, on Jensen all the way to 99 on the west side, follows the 99 freeway up north and on Ashland. Uh, you know, swings back towards the east. And then on Millbrook goes all the way up to Shaw, all the way to Peach and really creates this kind of, you know, a square area in the middle of the heart of the city of Fresno. Um, you know, in the past, I've been very blessed. I've represented a good swath of that district. Uh, in 2012, I got elected to the school board. My district went all the way up to the Mayfair County Island. I represented the Mayfair County Island. I've represented Kalawa. I represented the, you know, the, the the edge of the tower district. So I've got a pretty good track record of delivering results in those areas. And, and, and I think that's what people will see as we go through the process of, you know, who's the most qualified candidate who has a track record of serving in that community. And, and I've always termed it this way. It's like people, you know, want to know who you are, your, your profile, your qualifications, but they also want to do, which I think is the most important thing that a, a constituent can ask you is, what have you specifically done in that community to make things better for those constituents? And I think for me, what the pandemic showed us is that, you know, in times of crisis, you can either, you know, stick your head in the sand and pretend like nothing's happening, or you can actually get out there and, and do the work. Um, and we did that during the pandemic. You know, I organized and, you know, uh, Supervisor Brandon knows this, I organized the first drive-through COVID test site in Mosqueda Community Center. We had over 2,000 vehicles. We did food distributions. We worked on getting, you know, vaccinations for our senior citizens. We purchased two mobile health units to go and specifically vaccinate oh. and provide medical service for our folks. So, you know, that's really what we're going to highlight and, and and just keep, you know, running a, a positive campaign um, that we know that, you know, that message will resonate with the residents of okay. the district. Hey, Luis, I've got a question. It's not, it's not a, no, no trick questions for, for anybody tonight. So, have so far have any of your colleagues endorsed you and then my second question is were you somewhat surprised by councilmember arias entering the race or did you kind of see that coming and not a big deal 
No, um, not a big deal. I mean, these are obviously, you know, like I said, these seats don't belong to anybody. Um, you know, you go out and, and you work hard and you earn every single vote. And at the end of the day, you know, that's that's what our democratic process is really about. You know, you throw in the names. I don't think that's a bad thing, actually, necessarily for constituents to have choices on who they feel would best represent them. Um, and I have had, uh, you know, colleagues, we're going to be rolling out our, our endorsements uh, list here, uh, labor, uh, elected officials, community leaders, faith-based uh, folks that have been doing a lot of great work in the community. Um, and to answer your question more directly, um, Supervisor Brenda, I, I was not surprised. Um, you know, I, we've been having conversations about this for the past couple of, of, of months. Um, up until two months ago, though, you know, uh, Councilmember Arias had endorsed me, and then, you know, some things changed. I understand that, uh, but we got to move forward, and we got to earn those those uh, those support uh, okay, votes. Gonna, in the, yeah, but real, real quickly, anything else on that? Well, I just like the way, so far, he's answering questions, so okay. a lot of times people skirt the question, right? right. But Luis is at least answering the questions. Qu we like that. Quick question uh, from one of the audience members, Lisa Giffen. Uh, what is Quintero not doing that makes, you know, three people want to get into the race? basically anything sure yeah yeah and and I'm you know and I'm saying this in a very respectful way to you know uh for supervisor Quintero I think during the pandemic for whatever reason he just disappeared um and and that was the wrong time to do that um I think you have to actually show up and work on behalf of your constituents and there there you know a lot of things that the county's responsible for public health being one of them I was actually the chair of the covid subcommittee so we were working very closely with the board of supervisors that were on a daily basis what was happening we were working with hospitals on what was occurring um and unfortunately you know the the current supervisor was nowhere to be seen um and i think that's something that you know he will explain to to constituents and and the voters um that's one thing the other piece me being a foster parent myself and understanding the system um, I was really disappointed in the fact that, you know, he's the chair of the Foster Youth Oversight Committee, had not attended not one of the 17 meetings that he was supposed to. And then we had that situation that occurred. Um, I understand that some issues have been addressed. But for me, I feel like I can bring that to the table, being a foster parent and modernizing the foster care system. We got to make it much more easier for people that have a home and want to open up that up to, to children to make that possible. And right now, it's really difficult to do that, having gone through the process myself. So those are two quick examples that I can that I can point to to say that this is what I would do differently uh, than the current uh, incumbent. Got it. Thank you. Let's bring in uh, Council Member Drew Bessinger. Any comments? Uh, we talked earlier today. Uh, you said you may you have some comments on City Council of the City of Fresno uh, and this particular race. Any comments from Drew? You know, we, we we don't really have a dog in this fight. Um, our our situation is more with our county supervisors. Uh, obviously, Steve, I, I've endorsed Steve, even though Gary's a friend. Um, I You know, we have Nathan Magzig um, representing us well. Uh, our relationship with the city of Fresno is always good. I mean, obviously, sometimes we fight over the same things, uh, but that's, that's, how politics goes and and but i we have a respectful relationship even though we continually stick each other uh just nicely with jabs but that's it's not mean it's not it's it's not meant to be mean it's just meant to be playful 
it's 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 uh it's constructive uh constructive criticism uh <laughs> let's put the council member chavez on the screen so there we go okay uh, Luis, can you repeat your comments so our audience can actually hear and see you? Yeah, I said no. I said, you know, and I've known Drew for a long time. He's, he's a great professional, uh, you know, elected official. I think he does a great job. And, you know, I have that kind of relationship with, you know, everybody really on various different councils, even with the board of supervisors now. And Supervisor Brandow knows this. We work really well. Um, I think that's what our, our, our county needs. It needs folks that can work, work across the aisle that can build partnerships, that can be effective and actually get things done on behalf of, of the constituents. I think people are tired and, and really just, you know, uh, deflated with regards to people using sensationalist rhetoric and, you know, uh, throwing, you know, these, these bombs everywhere. That's not productive. Um, and, you know, Ronald Reagan had this saying that somebody that disagrees with you 90% of the time is still 10% your friend. Um, and I think that's what we need. We need to work on that 10%. Um, and I think we were able to do that even as a city with our partners, Clovis, with various other uh, smaller communities around the city of Fresno, and even with the county to a certain degree during the pandemic. We didn't agree on everything, um, but I think we rolled up our sleeves and got things done on behalf of our constituents. And I think people want... Let's get him on the screen. Uh, any thoughts on you before we move on to our uh, lending issues and challenges that the Biden administration just rolled out? Mike, any comments briefly yeah, on, on this? On this definitely issue? eager to talk about that item. Um, no, I, I think um, Councilmember Bessinger is right, um, and Councilmember Chavez as well. We actually do get along more than people think. Um, but it, it, that what's really important is that our colleagues in other cities know that while we joke around with one another, we actually respect one another and our different experiences. The problem is when you get individuals that just want to cause chaos and problems, that's when the relationship breaks down. And when that happens, we can't cross collaborate and that hurts people. So yeah. I think you have three good people in this, in this, in this call right now. They all get along. Good. Thank you. Okay. With that, let's uh, dive into Chris Robson. Uh, who is a partner and a managing director at uh, Peerless Lending. Uh, Chris, there's lots of stuff flying around this week on mortgage rates increasing for people that have good credit because of the Biden administration's... Uh-oh, what happened to our screen? Um, Just keep rolling. Biden administration's uh, impact on... Um, the, the, the new rules on, on people with good credit versus people that don't have good credit. <clears throat> I don't know if you can, if you, do we have Chris back on? Okay, there we go. Chris is back on. Um, uh, Chris, can I fill us in a little bit on the new rules from the Biden administration and what impact that could have on people with good credit versus people that have poor credit? Uh, and really in terms of dollars and cents on a typical uh, monthly mortgage bill. Okay, absolutely. Um, first thing is, yeah, it, it hit the media in a big way last week, um, which was in some ways understandable because these are changes that come in for the 1st of May. Uh, they were actually announced though back in January, January the 19th, mm. and they were applied on all loans delivered to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac as of yesterday, May the 1st. So 
The one thing to know is any of these loans, by the time they're delivered to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac as the investors, they were likely funded at least two to three weeks previous. So these changes have actually been in all of the interest rates people have been quoted and on anything certainly that's funded going back two weeks from today and then going forward. Um, the other part of it, it's effectively any, any mortgage there is a risk-based price adjustment. So the background to it is there is always an adjustment based on your credit score and the amount of money you are putting down as down payment. Uh, and every year or two, they will tinker with those and adjust them as they see fit as the, as the investors in these products. Uh, what they did do this year was uh, add an extra two tiers. So it used to be if you had a 740 credit score, you got the best mortgage rates. Today, it's now 780. Um, and they've also uh, reduced some of the adjustments for people with lower credit scores. And I think some of the confusion that came out was there was a perception that people with a lower credit score were getting a better deal than people with higher credit score. The point I would make though is yes, you've all you've actually done is narrowed the gap between the better credit scores and the lower credit scores. So it is still the case that the better your credit is, um, the better your interest rate will be. And the more money you put down as down payment, once you go beyond 20%, the better your credits, uh, the better your interest rate will be. So it's, it's, and I won't say whether it's right or wrong, it, it's, it's narrowed the gap. I will say the majority of the loans we do are likely in the areas where the changes are to the detriment of the buyers. Um, a lot of the time, those with the lower credit scores, unless they're buying over $500,000, you'd look at that and say an FHA loan would make more sense for those buyers. So those, those adjustments will not get used as much, the ones that got improved, the ones that have increased will probably get more use. Trying to get pre-approved. Because the advice was typically, make sure you increase your credit scores. Is there, is there any reason why people should decrease their credit score? Absolutely and 100% not. The better your credit, the better your rate. I, I, will, I will give you, I, I did a couple of quick numbers, but give you a quick idea. If you have, if you're borrowing, uh, buying a house for $400,000 today and put 5% down payment, if you have the, the best credit, the 780 FICO score, um, your mortgage insurance will cost you $60 a month. If you have that 639 credit score, so you're in the most expensive tier, for the same interest rate, you're now bringing in $8,500 cash to buy that interest rate. And your mortgage insurance is $354 a month. So, so it's going to cost you less upfront if you have a bad score, but you're, but, still, pay, mm -hmm. but you're going to pay more monthly in terms of mortgage insurance, Yep. Etc. Is that correct? But basically, before this change, that eight thousand five hundred would have been twelve thousand dollars to get the same interest rate as somebody with the best credit score. So you basically, yes, you are still paying more because you have the lower credit score, but you're still paying significantly more. So, yeah, the the graphics you've just flashed up; those are the best indicator of of what's happened. The left hand one is the changes. Um, as a heat map on as, as a change to what was previous, and this is what's going to confuse people. 
is, you know, all the red is centered around uh, 700 to 760 credit scores, 75 to 95% loan to value. Um, and all the green is, is centered on the lower credit scores. But if you look at the right-hand table, that is the overall adjustments that we apply as cash values as a percentage of your loan amount. Um, and, and clearly, the, the, the lower you go in credit score, the, the more you are being hit. Okay. So again, and I want to make sure we get this right, your fee upfront fee could be lower if you have a lower credit score. Lower than it was. Lower than it was. Low, but not lower than somebody with a better credit score. And the person that has a better credit score, their fee is going to be a little bit higher. Higher than it was, but still less than somebody with a lower credit score. So the, so the, the, so you, the people with good credit are going to pay more. But the, so the, the, the message is, is not to go out and damage your credit score so you can pay less. So Hopefully not. Okay. Yeah. But if the That's... people with good credit, they're going to pay just a little bit. They're going to get taxed more by Biden administration's new rule. So, yeah, right? the, the interesting, the, the, the strange thing is that the, the actual press release from FHFA, who oversee Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, when they brought this out in January, um, a large part of the reason for it is um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac have been in conservatorship now since the financial crash of 2007, 2008. Um, they are still trying to evolve the plan to get them out of conservatorship. And one of the things they have been tasked to do is increase their capital reserves. This is one of the ways they're looking to increase their capital reserves. Got it. Okay. Any questions before we wrap up? Yeah. So, um, Chris, thanks for coming on and, and opening. And I'm, I'm not as easy to follow as Darius is because he's kind of related into the industry. But I do want to, I do, so I want to get some clarity. People from the right, that's where I spend most of my time, have been claiming that this is, you know, a form of soft socialism. We're taxing uh, people who are producers more mm -hmm. and giving those benefits to people who don't produce as much. Now, that might be a kind of an oversimplification, which is, as far as just a simple, statement would you kind of agree with that um <laughs> ask for a yes no and i'm a mortgage lender uh i will i will tell you there are people who do not pay any of these pricing adjustments and that is if you are low income so i will say the focus and the cross subsidy goes to people of low moderate income um regardless of credit score but they will still pay more for mortgage insurance if they have a lower credit score. So I don't get the impression overall that this is out and out socialism. I said the, the FHFA's justification for it was actually uh, raising capital reserves for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac to ultimately remove them from conservatorship and get them more into the private sector. Well, that has a tendency. I read an article. There's an article out today from Forbes that talks about this, and it and it denies that it's socialism as well. So I'm trying to. I'm still trying to wrap my head and do my own yeah. research on this. So I'll you know I'll check it out okay. more in the coming days. But it's a little fishy, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, people who you know you go out and work hard to get a good credit score, right? Yes. You should get the full benefit of that credit score, not 
docked something. And I, I mean, I know it's not universal, not everybody. You, there's still other subcategories, but still seems like it penalizes people who are you're gonna successful. Pay more. Yeah. You know, successful people are going to pay more, mm -hmm. um, but not a ton more, just, just a little bit more. Now, when you sell a house, is the house the same price for everybody? Or do you think, you know, this person makes more money, so I'm going to charge them more? Or I think, some... I think you can be in violation of many laws if you do if you did that. But well, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We, uh, we don't do that. I don't right. think anybody. Right. The same does laws that. don't apply to Congress. <laughs> or, or the admi no, the, if the, if the admi if this was an executive order. If I maybe Chris can actually uh, correct correct us. This was a basically Biden administration rollout. Chris is Chris still with us? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still here. So. The, the announcement is, comes from FHFA, so Federal Housing Finance Agency, as the overseer of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. The director of FHFA is a lady called Sandra Thompson, and she is a direct political appointment. So to that extent, yes. Um, as I said, the, the, the language in the announcement was more about the capital reserves of Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Um, it did, it did also include statements about affordable housing. I said for the vast majority of people with the lower credit scores, uh, they're either not acceptable to Fannie Freddie when you run the, the loan software, um, or they will use FHA financing as a cheaper alternative. So really all this did was just narrowed the gap and it did elevate the fees for some of the people with better score. As I said, in no, in no circumstance, in without going into low moderate income in no circumstances anybody with a good credit paying a worse interest rate or more to buy it so it, it's Got just it. okay. we've added a fee i think to give people the right context for that um, a we've had various fees added over the last 15 16 years since the crisis um some of which are plainly cash grabs by congress there's g fees that, that we pay okay. Mike um, has a question. Is the council member Bessinger still on? Yes, <laughs> Drew is on. Mike, fire away, and this will be the last question of the evening. Thank you. So, yeah, I was really upset when I read these articles about like a couple days ago, or 10 days ago. Um, but I got to talk to Chris a little bit before the show started, and I want to ask a question. Do, do these measures keep Freddie and Fannie more solvent so they continue operating? We talked a little bit about first mortgages versus the second mortgage. Can you let us know a little bit more about that? Yeah, the, the, the goal is very much since the since they were taken into conservatorship, basically Fannie Freddie have never repaid the money that they were bailed out with, which was over $100 billion. But they have paid back to Treasury. All their money gets swept by Treasury. And they've paid back over 200 and something billion dollars since. So there has been a profit on that bailout. Um, the problem is that's left them with no capital reserves. So to try and get them back into the private sector, that plan is still evolving. But one, one main part of it is to try and build their capital reserves to a more commercial level. And that is, in, officially, that is the goal of what they are doing here, is to try and start building more capital reserves. Um, and hopefully that means we can put them into some form of private sector ownership, but without spoiling... The fact that, I mean, the U.S. is pretty unique in having these 30-year fixed mortgages. Um, despite my accent, I'm actually not from Fresno. Uh, and in the U.K., everybody gets an adjustable rate mortgage. 
um, and they come with prepayment penalties if you fix them for two, three, five years. So I'm, I'm a bit of an evangelist for what Fannie and Freddie do. I will confess to that. Okay. Um, I want to jump but, in yeah. real quick, Chris, and get Drew Bessinger's thoughts. I, I like Mike. Mike, you're a good Democrat. You're probably thinking Joe Biden was taking a nap, an afternoon, one, one of his <laughs> afternoon naps, and AOC came in and wrote this policy put it on his desk, and then he claimed it as his own. Probably what happened. Drew, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you're, you've are you been listening to the show tonight. What do you think about this policy? If if it doesn't sound kosher, it probably isn't. It, it sounds to me like we're incentivizing irresponsible behavior. I mean, bad things happen to good people, and they lose their jobs, they get sick, they have to go through bankruptcy because of uh, medical bills. But you also have people who overextend themselves, um, you know, get a liberal arts degree that cost them $190,000 that they expect us to bail out and they're not employable. And it just, it, it, it doesn't smell right. And when it doesn't, it probably isn't. I mean, I was having a conversation with my son about this and you know, he's probably going to be buying another house in, you know, probably in the next 10 years. I'm done. Uh, but for somebody who has a, a good credit score uh, to have to pay more be, to subsidize other people, yeah. it, no, it, that, that's not okay. Kind of, I'm, I'm right there with you, Drew. It just, yeah, it doesn't quite pass the smell test. I mean, I, I see people trying to build the rationale for it, but it doesn't really pass the smell well, test of, you know, what things are supposed to be like in America, but we haven't passed the smell test in let a me, while. Let me ask you this, Steve. So I don't like bailouts because oftentimes it's people like you and me, the middle class, have to bail people out from making bad decisions, whether it's someone that shouldn't have a loan or a Fortune 500 company that knew they could do whatever the hell they want because they're going to get bailed out. And I get that. But if this is creating a fund to make them more uh, on par with the private company so that if it doesn't happen again, they have money to, to not be bailed out. It's a bit of a trade-off. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, for me, you know, for me, Mike, you're asking the wrong guy because I'm more of a flat tax type of guy. I think every American should be paying the same percentage of tax no matter what their income is. So we've been, we've been so far off that standard now uh, for so long, and it's really not building value I don't think in the, it has never proven that it's really helping out the lower class to do all these giveaways. So <clears throat> there's probably other ways to recreate that fund uh, that could be um, applied equally across. You know, we hear, here's what's so weird in America. We talk about equality all the time. I mean, it's like <laughs> e equality this, equality that. You have to have, you know, so many um, representations on this basketball team. And then in all reality, we, we create policy that makes us unequal constantly, right? Here's, mm. here's another one. So you're going to penalize one group of people. You're going to benefit another group of people. The whole thing to me is un-American, but it's kind of like America in 2023. It, it doesn't mean as much as it sent, you know. No, well, it, I agree. Talking, yeah, yeah, talking, talking about, about America, America, I learned something on this show tonight I didn't know. And that's why we're so lucky to be here. So Chris was saying that in the UK... They don't really have fixed income no, mortgages. The world doesn't. Uh, Canada. So can you imagine what would happen today if people were on an adjustable rate mortgage? How much? How 
their payments would balloon. We would have way more rampant homelessness and poverty. I can't imagine that. You're exactly right, Mike. One of the reasons our uh, our economy is doing so well and we're not slowing down is because people's mortgages are not going, uh, the mortgage uh, payment is not changing. In uh, most of Europe and Canada, those are adjustable rate mortgages and people as interest rates go up, they, they pay a lot more money. Uh, yeah, that's scary. A couple, one question that came on from Steve Richardson. It says, is Joaquin Arambula running for mayor? I'm assuming that's mayor of city of Fresno. Any, uh, any update or info on that from any, from... You, Steve, or no, Mike? I, or... We got Drew on as a special guest to talk about elections. He probably <laughs> knows. Mike Carbossi probably knows. Uh, I, I think Chris I may know, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking. Uh, anything on that, Mike? I, I've heard nothing about that. I mean, you hear rumors every day. I, I've endorsed Mayor Dyer, and so that's the person I'm, I'm going to vote for and I'm supporting. Yeah. Uh, Robert Wharton has several comments on here. Banks that write stupid mortgages should fail. So I agree with Robert 100%, except for the fact that the people that suffer when that happens are pension holders in the middle class. That's what scares me. What happened at First Republic, thank God, they're now owned by a different entity. And for the most part, the banks came in, the banking industry came in and took carved them out. I get the logic behind that. I think people should be punished when they make a mistake. The problem is when you have nothing to do with it and you suffer, is that fair? It's it's a really difficult pickle to be in. And I haven't found the answer to that yet. We're going to leave it at that on that note, uh, on Mike Rabasi's ending note. And uh, wish everybody a great week. Uh, cool temperatures. We may get a sprinkle or two this week. And see you all next Tuesday. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, thanks, Chris. Drew. We appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, to Luis Chavez, we'll thank him too, although he's already left the program for the evening. That's right. Thank all you, right. everybody. Next and, week, right? And our audience. See you all next week. All right. Good night.